Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast, show number one of the week. We're talking championship on this one. Ken Early's World Cup show will be out a little bit later on. We'll throw a little bit of Wimbledon into this programme as well. Mm-hmm. Over there. I felt a little bit sorry for Alan Nolan, the Dublin goalkeeper, yesterday. He got man of the match on the Sunday game, which is great. Yeah. Therefore, although he had to come out and do an interview. Not and, so good. Yeah, it's ne- never great when you have to talk after a defeat, I suppose. But he came out, very honest. It makes for great TV, if you want to go back and watch this, because he... Uh, I, maybe I've come to the conclusion that maybe the Sunday game should always give man of the match to the losing team for the rather cruel entertainment value. Mm. So yeah, they could have done that. They could have done that for the Cork and Kerry game as well. <laughs> oh no, it. Oh no, probably it. nobody they could have necessarily picked mm. for that one. But so no, anyway, Nolan says, um, you know, uh, I'm disgusted with the performance. It was heartbreaking. We were left standing. He was very yeah. strong in the bad performance of his own team. And then there's the always slightly awkward bit where the sponsor hands over yeah. the trophy. It's a really weird, the it's a really weird looked, setup. And Alan Nolan looked uh, just stunned, uh, even though he was brilliant and, and yeah. probably deserved the man of the match. It was just. You can put that on your mantelpiece. And Adam Nolan, yeah, Adam Nolan is, yeah, I know where I can put it. Right. Yeah. But uh, I think, um, I think yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because they always kind of look at the camera, you know, when they hand over the man of the match awards, and it's like. They're waiting for a photograph to be taken. <laughs> it's always really weird. So every single Sunday. Now, I think the Sunday game have actually started to cut away from it. Right. So they actually see that, you know, it's on the TV in the background. So it's not like full screen because it's really weird. <laughs> they all just turn at the camera and just stare at the camera. So, okay, thanks. thanks. Hurling, in chat in a minute. But Usher McConville will be on a little bit later on to talk about, you reference that Murph carries 24 points. They scored 24 points, but no goal. And I have a theory on this. Okay. Kerry didn't want to score a goal yesterday. They're purists down there, Murph. Okay, sure, they played an extra defender and that was sacrilegious mm. and they don't let Sacrilegious. Watch, oh. Sacrilegious. They don't let people watch their training sessions anymore. They've, in some ways, they've abandoned the traditions of Kerry football, mm. but they love to score a point and really, in many ways, goals shouldn't be allowed anyway. That's a soccer thing. You know, it's yeah. really an affectation. Yeah. So Kerry just wanted to, like a boxer holding an opponent up who they want to punish rather than just finish. Yeah. They just kept knocking over these amazing points. It's, a, it's an interesting theory. Yeah, it's wrong. I mean, yeah. it's wrong. I'm not going to back it. did go for a goal. Did, did try and side for the goal. Did he? Tw- 30 yards out. Or did he pass the ball back to the goalkeeper because the point was actually too easy an option? <laughs> I see what you're getting at here, McDonald. Amazing performance by Kerry, though, wasn't it? Because uh, I know we are going to focus a bit on Cork being awful yeah. and where they go from here. But Kerry do remind you every once in a while why... It's hard not to like them in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, usually yeah. the best it's team in the sport can be the object of a certain amount of jealousy and derision. But generally, Kerry do play entertaining. Just, just unbelievably skillful stuff. So They're just really that. good footballers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin McStade did this thing on the Sunday game last year. And I think it was, I think it was Gucci he was focusing on. But either way, he was, he, in a more general sense, McStade was talking about how a good foot pass for a Gaelic footballer playing on the inside line is that ball that hops in front of you. And he showed like a series of... And it was it was a really weird thing. I remember him getting a bit of abuse on Twitter about it. As in like, what are you doing, you know? But it's actually 100% correct. That if you can get a ball 
that's hopping two yards in front of you, you can actually run and turn as you're catching the ball. You know, it's just an absolutely perfect ball. The amount of ball that James O'Donoghue got yesterday, and Ganey as well, like Ganey's getting totally overshadowed. He was brilliant. He was really, really good. And the amount of ball that they got, ball hops two yards in front of him, and they don't even have to think about it. You know, it's not even a thing where they have to get their hands right to catch the ball. The ball is literally hitting them on the sponsor's, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the sponsor's name. Um, and that just, Kerry are just capable of doing that in a way, and that's, you know, it's, it seems like quite a simple thing, but they're just so good at it. Well, Kevin McStay is nothing if not consistent, Murph, because he did a similar piece last night, <laughs> highlighting the foot, foot passing of the Kerry team. Well, I don't know what their reaction was to that, but uh, yeah, they've mastered the art over the years. Malachi Clerken and former Dublin hurler Morris O'Brien join us in studio to talk hurling. Lads, thanks for coming in. No problem. I think there's not much doubt that Saturday was slightly more entertaining than Sunday and we do have the qualifier draw to talk about as well. But let's start with, it was a provincial final, so we'll start with Kilkenny against Dublin. Morris, is there any chance that actually Kilkenny could have done with a better game here? They've been progressing nicely and they're, they've, they're, they seem to be getting a new shape to the team, but I mean, they weren't even tested in a provincial final. No, they weren't tested. We'd always, like, you, still, you don't know what Kilkenny are made of after yesterday at all. Dublin completely misfired. Um, Kilkenny won it at a canter really without ever really stretching into top gear at any stage um, Dublin very disappointing performance like you'd say all our top players really misfired yesterday and look, from the outset you could you could see there was a little bit of flatness in their play from the very start So it wasn't just the a lot of people are talking about Anthony Daly overthinking it and, tr- and trying to be a bit too clever with the system you think it was more just the players were flat for whatever reason Yeah look you can you can put all the systems in place like we're grand like but at the end of the day like their main players misfired no matter what system they, was going, they were going with yesterday. If you had f- six forwards up there, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, they misfired. You could drop them balls. They're a little bit panicky on the ball. Um, passes going astray and all that. Like If you had it, if you, if you went up there, went six on six up front, and that was going on, I don't think that would have made much of a difference regardless. There was a, a period in the game when Dublin were five down, Malky, and I think you even uh, pinpointed in the paper, someone in the Irish Times uh, did this morning anyway, that... Uh, a period at that stage where Dublin missed a couple of clear point chances, they had a couple of goal chances, and it was interesting because even Kilkenny were missing scores yeah. at that time as well. Mm. And what you would expect in a situation like that was if Dublin were, uh, if Dublin missed a goal chance, that Kilkenny the first thing they would do would bring the ball down the field and hit a point themselves. The swing is ne- is almost never three points with Kilkenny; it's always four <laughs> yeah. because they seem to engineer yeah. uh, a point from the resulting clearance. Mm. Kilkenny weren't doing that yesterday, and. In ways, is that that's it? That was it was instructive for both teams that particular period of the game. It was interesting. Yeah, I I was talking to somebody at the game uh, who's a, a Dublin supporter uh, who was saying uh, the killing thing. You were saying it at half time. You were saying the killing thing here is that you won't find a more winnable game for mm. Dublin than this because Kilkenny weren't blowing them away. Like they weren't. It wasn't. Eddie Brennan banging in two goals in the first 15 minutes. You know, the, the, there were similarities a bit with sort of peak era Kilkenny in the way that they were kind of relentless and they kept going and their defenders really sort of savaged into it. You know, there was that, that, that sort of really kind of memorable bit in the second half where Conan Keeney was surrounded by six of them. <laughs> literally yeah, six yeah. of them. And Jackie Tyrrell nearly... It was kind of nearly, like the reverse Maradona against Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And Jackie Tyrrell nearly landed on the roof with his yeah, fist yeah. pump afterwards. Like, it was... Um, that, that was kind of reminiscent of, of sort of peak Eric Kilkenny. But, the, but they weren't blowing them away. They were kind of holding them at arm's length and they were totally giving them a chance to stay in the match. It's only four points in it at half-time. Um, Kilkenny got the first three points of the second half and even then Dublin came back and got a couple of scores uh, and you thought that if they got a goal they could do it but uh, Morris is, is completely right if your big players don't perform like if if Kilkenny are, are, are going to beat sorry if Dublin are going to beat Kilkenny Conan Keeney and Ryan O'Dwyer need to be the sort of the pillars of that because that is how they. That is how Dublin get their scores. They get it through these two big men who can disrupt the opposition defence. And Alan McCrabb or Dotsie O'Callaghan can come out. Danny Sutcliffe can buzz around them, pick off points. Maybe Keeney goes in full forward. They get a goal from it. 
they weren't playing yesterday. But they got a penalty. I mean, this they is got the, a penalty and stuck it over the bar. Stuck it over the bar. I, I couldn't understand that, Morris. You know a lot better than yeah. us, having played at that level. Why would you take a point so early on? I suppose. Look, I, I suppose with the rule change as well and the distance has changed. Dublin really, outside of Paul Ryan, don't have a recognised guy that can hit those. You know, like Colin Keeney wouldn't be experienced hitting them. Like Paul Ryan's from the same club. Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan takes all them for his club. So him being on the bench really kind of took the factor out of it. Of who's going to hit it? Like you could see the confusion even before it, like who was going to hit it, was Alan McCrabber or was it Paul Ryan? Alan Nolan was uh, Alan Nolan, trotted up to about yeah, the 45. Exactly, like, you know, but it's a lot to expect from Alan Nolan in his second championship match. Like, fantastic game, but like, like it wouldn't have been put in place for Alan Nolan to come up and hit that. So it's just there was a lack of a regular Yeah, like taker, Paul Ryan is, is your hitman for yeah. those, you know, and, and, and it's known within the panel, like he's the guy that hits them and he, him not being on the field probably probably made up the mind really on that one what the game reminded me of a, a little bit yesterday was the game in Port Leash in 2012, 2012 yeah um, and I, I remember I actually had it in the paper on Saturday I remember walking into Port Leash that day and running into Nicky English uh, and it was a rainy day in Port Leash and I don't know if, if you remember but at the yeah. time like this was a big game. Yeah. You know, Dublin were coming for, for mm-hmm. Kilkenny. It was going to be the real clash of the early part of the summer. And Nicky just kind of shrugged and pointed at the sky and said, on a, on a wet day, go with the better horrors. Yeah. And that's how it turned out. And I was thinking, you know, yesterday, there was rain all morning yesterday uh, around Croke Park. And I was wondering, well, you know, maybe he could be right. But, but I thought, well, maybe Dublin are as good you know maybe maybe just the skills of the game they are just as good maybe Nicky's uh, point is still correct it but could the answer is different yeah exactly and yet I remember exactly the talking to Daly in the corridor in Port Leash two years ago and talking to Daly in the press conference yesterday his first his first thought was exactly the same he says our touch was terrible I couldn't understand it we couldn't get the ball into our hands we weren't striking properly and if you're not doing that if you're giving Kilkenny that extra quarter second every time you go to pick up the ball. Like I was, we were thinking at one stage in the second half, it became very apparent that we couldn't remember at any stage anyone in the Kilkenny or Dublin half-forward line catching a ball. Yeah. <laughs> and you take that as one of the strengths of the team. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's what like foundation is mm. there, winning ball like that. Mm. Um, but the amount of times you like you flip at your marquee player, Colin Keeney, like, and the ball bobbling out of his hand mm. and then... Like, com- Compare that to what he was doing with Wexford Park, scoring yeah. five points and really pulling the team through. And like I suppose yesterday, like and that, that filters throughout the team. And you, when probably younger lads see him mm. misfire to a certain extent, like like in fairness, the, the shining light in the forwards was Colin Cronin yesterday, yeah. the youngest guy there, no experience. Every time he got a chance, he took his man on. You could see the one time he had a go at Jackie Terrell, they got a goal from it. You know, so they needed that. Like they needed everyone kind of doing that. You know, having a cut, taking their man on. But it wasn't there around the field or anywhere else. And I suppose, look, the panicky hurling in the in the back line. I suppose, like I suppose, we spoke last week that the panicky hurling was gone, like uh, from the Dublin thing, from the way they played in Wexford. But when the pressure came on, like you could see the passing out the field really broke down a couple of times, and they were very lucky to get away with it. You know? Yeah, I think the other moral of that story is that Nicky English is a good man to meet before a game because <laughs> exactly. he, he told he told Murph about Shane O'Donnell before the <laughs> Shane O'Donnell thing happened last year. <laughs> Literally ten minutes before throwing the. <laughs> yeah, this guy's got to come on. You've you really got to watch this Shane O'Donnell guy. <laughs> Times should get that guy as a columnist. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I actually have a quote from Nick English down for our next piece of conversation. I'm, I, I don't know. There's too much Nick English love. I might have to drop it at this stage. Just a brief one on Kilkenny, Morris. Um, they've used a lot more players than usual. And this is something that you've been writing about as well, Maliki. And the issue that can happen there is that I mean, these guys aren't robots, despite what the way Kilkenny hurlers can be portrayed. So you're getting dropped. You're getting back in. You're getting dropped it can be difficult to handle. Do you think that that is potentially going to count against them or is the whole Kilkenny thing, look, these guys are mentally strong, that's why they're in the squad and they can handle missing a game here and there where we're, we are where we want to be? No, definitely mentally strong. I think it's a great thing for a panel to have. Like you, you probably, Walter Walsh would take it for an example at the mm. start of the year, really didn't play well against Galway and like obviously he's he's shown well maybe, like very little training so it's hard to know where he's shown well but Cody has faith in these guys and chose him back in there yesterday, you know leaves Tommy Walsh out. Um it's it's hard to know what way he's viewing it, you know, but but like everyone will know they have a chance. Like look, Tommy has been doing well, didn't get didn't get in there at all yesterday. Like so lads like you probably look up to even twenty, twenty two, twenty three players will, will know like that there's a chance of getting in here, you know, on a on a given day. Um so yeah, de- definitely it's good for a panel to have that amount of guys. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of all in agreement though that it it's not 
it wasn't a statement of intent by Kilkenny that would put a lot of fear into Corker, Corker, Limerick or even Tipperary after Saturday. No, but it didn't have to be a statement of intent, you know. It, it was really, it was a dull, like the atmosphere even, like it was, 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 was like, it, it never really took off at any stage. Like, with the game over, you could say the three biggest cheers were Henry Shefflin came on and got three tap-over points, you know. And, that, and to think you're, you're faced into the last five minutes of a game and, and that's all there was to cheer from like, Kenny's side of things even. Let's talk tip. And I am going to use Nicky English's quote. He called it mind-cleansing today, Maliki, the performance by tip. They've also got a, a mind-cleansing draw against Offaly. They'll be expecting to win that one yeah. and, and move, move along nicely. Yeah. Are they talented enough that suddenly you say, OK, tip are contenders again? Uh, look, that, the talent was never in question. You know that, that's, you know we've we, we've sat and analysed enough Tipperary games, and gone, like the real sort of engine of frustration, is that you look at somebody like Shamie Callanan and you go, wow, like like the talent that that guy has, the size that he is, why is he not just dominating every game? like he did on, on Saturday. And, uh, like, he, he was almost sort of symptomatic of, of Tipperary, you know, just just incredible hurlers, you know, and, and it may, maybe even goes back to, to, to Dublin and Kilkenny, you know, the thing about the people with the better, the team with the better hurlers. Mm. Like, we sometimes maybe underestimate, we kind of look at inter-county hurling and presume that everybody is as proficient as, as the next team. And... It's just not true, you know. You know there are, there are some of those Tipperary players that that never fail to pick a ball and never fail, never drop a catch, um, and so the the talent was never never going to be a problem. I, I was watching that game on Saturday, and they at the time when when Galway were were leading after they got their their fourth goal, you still didn't really lose too much faith for Kilkenny or for Tipperary because. Um, Though Galway were in the lead, they were in the lead because they had scored four goals and they'd scored four goals in exactly the same manner each time. All it was going to take was a positional change. It was very clear. Like, Porik Maher, and they touched on it a little bit on the Sunday game last night, Porik Maher is a phenomenal hurler, but he's probably too good a hurler for full-back because he backs himself to catch the ball every time mm. and you can't do that. He wants to play hurling all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, nice man. And James Barry went in there on uh, Johnny Glynn. And I don't think James Barry had the ball in his hand once for the last 20 minutes yeah. of the game. But Johnny Glynn, didn't, job. Either. Tied up Johnny Glynn didn't have it either. He absolutely tied him up, let Pork Maher out the field where Pork could hurl away. Pork Maher is essentially, I don't want to denigrate fullbacks, but too good a hurler to go back in a fullback. Well, he wants to play hurling. Like he, wants, he, he wants, to, he wants yeah. to win the ball. He wants, he wants to make the catches. And that's where, not what you do back there. Well, yeah, it's, it's great if you are catching them, you know. But there comes a time where your man catches a ball over your head. You have to weigh up the options here. <laughs> do I, do I go to catch the ball or do I play my man? Yeah, your man you know? only has to catch one out of six or seven, that's and he was all. catching a lot more than that yeah. as well. Yeah, that's yeah. Probably yeah. Fair it to comes say. a time where you have to play your man, you know, and, and just make sure you're. Well, how many catches does JJ Delaney make in a game? Yeah. You know, yeah. Him and Jackie Terrell and Paul Murphy get in around the square. They protect the square. They stop, get the ball to the ground, let the keeper come out and pick it up, get yeah. away with it. Maher is, as I say, he's just a phenomenal hurler. But and 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 part of it is that that he kind of knows he's a phenomenal hurler as well, you know. And there's a bit of the, uh, you know, the bit of the kind of rider the Valkyries playing in his head as he's coming out yeah. to, you know, get the ball and clear and get the big crowd behind him and all that sort of stuff. Like he was blessed in the in the Limerick game. Remember Graham Mulcahy's yeah. goal that was disallowed because the ref saw yeah. a, a little tap on him. Like that was because he was coming out to try and catch the ball in the last minute of the game with with Tipperary leading. Like yeah, you know, you yeah. can't do it. The, I, mean, I think there was a spell during Euro 2012 when uh, Torres scored against Ireland. I'm starting to think that this was becoming Ireland's role in world football now to sort of rehabilitate. <laughs> you know where this is going. But to rehabilitate, you know, uh, stricken uh, footballers, you know, uh, professional Confidence footballers booster. Are, yeah, yeah. going through some sort of crisis of confidence. Yeah. I'm starting to think that this is now Galway's role in in the world of hurling. And sure shouldn't they be happy with that? I'm well <laughs> I would say Malachi, from, from what I've heard, they're not ecstatic about uh, how this year has gone. They're thriving, says Anthony Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. Um You're not convinced. Uh, I think Alan w- someone tweeted me yesterday, well, it was either to me or to second captains, they said that uh, Alan Wicker's 
Uh, the nicest thing he could say about Papa Doc uh, Chevalier was that he died of natural causes. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> then was making the link that uh, the best thing you could say about Anthony Cunning was that he reached his three-year term. Now, I mean, he Mad got... Mad for a fourth year. Yeah, and he, without doubt. He was um, straight out afterwards looking for it. Yeah, yeah uh, it was an unbelievably disappointing way for Galway's championship year to finish. And the point I was making originally about Tipperary was that... Um, Everyone had questioned their bottle. Everyone had questioned mm. the, their mental fortitude for it. And the way that they won that game, people might say, well, that's answered all the critics. You know, that they scored 210 to a point in the last 20 minutes or whatever it was. And that that's, that's that put to bed now. But is it put to bed when it's Galway? Because you just don't know from game, from game to game or even from 20 minutes spell in a game to the next 20 minutes what you're actually going to get with Galway. No. And like that—that's the most frustrating thing about the whole about the whole situation, you know. Yeah, I don't know what you can actually um, do about that, but uh, you think this current management team, as it's constituted, is <sighs> well. It's, it's, see, I, I guess the problem is that it's gone backwards, and that's yeah. always the problem in any sport. You, what you want to see is improvement, even if it's incremental. You want to see, you want to get an idea after three years. I saw somebody tweet after the game that uh, since the All Ireland final replay in two thousand and twelve, Galway have beaten Leash. Yeah, twice. And, but and luckily, twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but drawn, but drawn with Kilkenny, yeah. and that's that's even that makes it even more yeah. frustrating. The, the, I suppose the, the thing that you could say is that we people have been saying in Galway, why are we always changing our manager? What actually happens is we change our manager, we get one good year, then we get two bad years. Yeah. As it stands, I'll probably take those odds. So you know, it, it's similar to the Chelsea record in the last ten years against Alex Ferguson. They actually, you know, many I didn't change their manager. They had Alex Ferguson. Chelsea won more titles, <laughs> so you know it's it's and you know maybe Cunningham has reached the end of the road. He had one brilliant year in 2012 uh, that we, we won't forget. But at the same time, maybe change is actually what this what the county needs. Mm. That you need a new voice to come in, make loads of changes, get one good year, and then watch it slowly decline until we get a new guy. Well, go away, you're gone. <laughs> Pretty depressing. It's, that's, that's a living. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The mindset of a Galway GA fan there in one snapshot. But I do want to ask about Clare, who are still in there just about. They're going to have to get past Wexford in Wexford Park next Saturday evening. Morris, if they do that, they're going to have to get past Waterford. This road is starting to look quite long. For it's starting to look like what um, was put in front of Kilkenny at this stage last yeah. year, you know, game after game. Um, it's going to be like they were very lucky to get out of it the last day, you know, extremely lucky. Um, like, I, I don't know. Like, they pulled it out of the fire, to be fair to them now. They, put, they pulled it out when it, when it was required. Um, Sending off as well, really, like you know, probably kickstarted them really into action there. I suppose at one stage, you know, Podge look stupid sending off in many many instances. You know, like it's it's something that look they're looking to crack down on. Well, now. Why? What is the issue there? I know I've heard everybody say that they're clamping down on this. Yeah. Is is it just the possible danger of an ear being ripped off with the with a helmet or something like that? Yeah, it's it's that like, and I suppose look, it, it's. The face guards as well, like it takes a bit of time to rearrange it. If someone pulls it off your face as well, like it, it is a it is a danger thing. I think it's been a little bit overstated as to the danger of it. You know, it's it's like I just did there, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. bits of bodies flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I get to see someone's ear being ripped. I think Declan Fanning a couple of years ago had there was an incident where he got an ear injury. Like, but look, it, it, it's a it's a really is a nothing. But thing. the rule is there. The so rule is there. It's like it's the referees yeah. told to enforce it. Like so, look. He enforced it, but it's a, like to miss that length of a championship match because of it. Are you giving Clare a good chance of coming through? Or are we? Are we? Are Wexford? Are we? Is it about time we started considering oh, yeah. Wexford a little bit differently to how uh, we have done? Wexford probably? are you know they they have have done serious work. Like I even thought it was interesting the other day, um, as that game was going on, you know, like the the two pillars of of their team over the last couple of years would have been Jack Guiney and Gareth Sinnott. Uh, they came off the bench mm. to get into the game, and neither of them really contributed. You know, like uh, Gainey wasn't was very poor when he came on, and Sinnott had that great chance at the end to to win the game, and uh, a fairly regulation chance and, and missed it. Um, Liam Dunn has has absolutely promoted youth. Like there's so many of the, those players were were under twenty one. Uh, and the majority of them under twenty five. I think you're only talking about maybe Keith Rossiter, who's maybe Rory over twenty five. Rory Jacob, yeah, yeah, that's about the height of it. Like, yeah. so he's just completely changed the thing around. He has got people. He's got players playing for him, and God, if they could only shoot, like 
they that Clare should be out of the championship. There's yeah. no question yeah. about Again, it. Again, a spell, you know, oh, maybe five lines. or ten minutes where, and it was their best players. You know, yeah. it was McDonald, it was Nemo McGovern, McGovern yeah. they, and Guiney had yeah. two terrible wides yeah. in the in the. I think it was in the in the third quarter about that, yeah. in particular. That's really when Wexford could have just driven a stake through just, the heart of Clare. Yeah, just went out of sight, you know. But it's brilliant to see the freshness about them. Like you just look at them like and they're buzzing like it's it, like, you know, they they look really happy, like they look fresh, they're buzzing around the field like brilliant, like probably what Clare looked like last year. Mm. You know, bringing that extra freshness to the game, you know. I think that, that that would have struck a lot of people watching the game on Saturday as well. That Clare looked really tired. Yeah. yeah. They looked really, really yeah. tired. And that's why that run that Owen was talking about there, uh, Wexford, Waterford, quarterfinal, mm. semi-final, All-Ireland final, at this stage... Yeah. They are young, though. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about a team at the end no. of their road or anything like yeah. that, it's, so maybe they're regaining. It's funny to see them like being a bit leggy. And they've been leggy since the league semi-final. Yeah. Like, it was a very similar performance. And I probably looked at that thinking that... Look, Davies probably trained him into the ground to to probably get a reaction about him for the championship. But they've kind of continued on their two championship matches, mm. very similar you know, performances. Interesting as well. Like they've changed a fair bit of that team. They have, yeah. You know, like yeah. the like the two cornerbacks are different to last year. Like Donald Donovan was a revelation yeah. last year and hasn't like he, did he come on? I think it was the last minute. He was the, the last the, one thrown on. The whistle on. was, was Shane, as Shane Amory, who's a phenomenal cornerback, <laughs> came on, scored a goal, and they got took off for extra yeah. time. Very briefly, will they survive next week? Maybe. I think they probably will because there's a little... I can't see Wexford going into a sort of 1-8 to 1-point lead again. Uh, you know, I don't know that they'll be able to catch them just that that much from the start. Um, so I, I, I kind of think Clare will come through it. Yeah, nice. yeah look, you'd have to say, like, the bookies will have Clare back as favourites again. Like, and, and I, it's, uh, do you know what the one pity about it is, like, it's terrible to see Wexford the way they, for for what they've done. To, to, they might be dumped out of the championship next week. You know, like you'd really love to see them yeah, get somewhere in Ireland. As well, you know, but you you would say like even though it's in Wexford Park, that the advantage probably is with Clare again. Okay, listen, we leave it there. Marcel Bryan, Matt Clare, can thank you. Okay. Cheers, thanks. You can see the level of expectancy. Coach, this is the game you wanted a victory, boy. It didn't happen. What happened? Oh, that made such an idiot. A game that they've been looking forward to for a long time. Where do you where do you think you got it all wrong today? And then Pepe just ruins it for everyone. Thanks a lot, Pepe. You can see the level of expectancy. He was fucking dreadful. Sorry, I'm just still a little bit edgy, Murph, after my previous comment during that chat with the lads about fullbacks. I, I wasn't I wasn't saying that you know, well, where where do you get off? I wasn't saying there's just a load of big strong talentless apes man the square <laughs> around the country for the intercounty teams right I know big, they have their skill set big strong good talentless apes oh I don't know this is what I wasn't saying I didn't want that to come across that way we had Peter Kelly in the studio last year would you have said it to Peter Kelly's face Dublin's hurling fullback I don't think you would have won he, Peter Kelly's mistake yesterday tried to play too much hurling did you see the mm. ball he gave away that almost resulted in the we'll, goal we'll get him in here and we'll tell him he needs to be more of a talentless ape <laughs> is that what you're saying come on Owen I mean you're better than that We've got the Irish Times Second Captain's World Cup podcast coming out later on. We'll have it every day this week, building up to the semi-finals for the time being, and of course the final next weekend. Later today, it, it's all about the semis. We have a little bit of help with the crystal ball as well. It mal- malfunctioned terribly over the weekend. Unfortunately, Manuel Neuer never really left his goal line, so it mm. didn't allow a French player to lob him for a spectacular goal, as Ken was suspecting would happen. But we, we do have the crystal ball back in working order, so we'll see how what, it, what it's telling Ken this time around. Johnny Waterson joins us from Wimbledon. Johnny, after an incredible victory yesterday for Novak Djokovic, and maybe not a popular one particularly, given that everybody wanted, or most people wanted, Roger Federer to win this one. I don't know if you're in the business of ranking these Wimbledon finals against each other, but if you are, where would you rank this one? Yeah, I'd put it up, I think, probably Federer and Nadal uh, a few years ago was probably the best. But certainly, you know, I think every time these finals go into five sets and Federer's involved and there's a comeback in it. 
and it's in the evening and the shadows and there's dust and the the crowd get behind one of them. It, it sort of becomes a boxing match as much as a tennis match. And this was just another sort of epic battle, uh, battle of wills as much as anything. Um, it, it's, it'd be in the top three finals I, I've seen, I think. Um, I remember Goran Isovic years ago was a different, completely different sort of final mm. where he, he came in on a wild card with, it, with an injured arm and basically served his way to, to win it. But yeah, Federer seems to always be involved in, in these evening finals and it's just the crowd get behind one player over the other and it just turns into a classic match. Yeah, poor old Djokovic seems to be the player in recent years who the crowd don't get behind. I don't know if he's done anything to offend the people at Wimbledon. It's just the guys he comes up against. It was Murray last year. It's uh, you know, Roger Federer this year. I guess it was understandable why the fans stuck with Federer. Yeah, the hearts were with Federer, that's for sure. You know, as everyone knows, he's 32 years old and the, the, the theme is that he doesn't have much time left. He said he's been such a great champion. You know, it'd be nice to see him win another one. Um, I, I'd be more optimistic. Um, he, he did have a bad year, um, but there, there were good reasons for that and he explained them. Um, one was a back problem he had and the other was that he changed his racket. And I suppose a little bit like Rory McIlroy, when you change your equipment, Things go wrong for a little while, so I think once he, if he, if he can stay in shape, and maybe the U.S. Open in September will will be a marker for this. But if he stays in shape, I think another year or two. But that, that's a big if, and anything that sort of brings him down physically, will I think you will see him fade away if that happens. What sense did you get from him afterwards? Did he, did he look like a guy who thinks he still has it in him, or had he missed his big chance? He definitely looks like a guy who who thinks he can still do it. There was a sort of philosophical approach to it that he he looked at in terms of this year and that this year has been a progression and this year has been successful so far that he's gotten to a final. He stayed healthy. He pushed uh, one of the best players, uh, the best player in the world now. He's the highest ranked, I think, um, to five sets in the Wimbledon final. So he, he puts it in that sort of a context rather than just the 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 catastrophe of losing a centre court final at Wimbledon so a positive from Federer I would say He's such a winner is he getting is his motivation we're guessing people's motivation here but do you get the sense that he is just burning to win another Grand Slam whichever it is just to edge further ahead of Nadal on the all time list or is he quite is it just a competitive fire that he's even getting to these finals now is something that he just can't let go of. Even though he lost, he's just—it's—it's it's almost about the competing for history, as you know, as opposed to just actually creating it. I think it is. I, th- I think his perspective has slightly changed. That's for certain. Two sets of twins, so he's four kids, and there's a different dynamic to his whole his whole family life. But you know, in that sense, some people get additional energy from that, and. They realise that there's a sort of there's an impermanence to what they're doing, and I think Federer is very clear about that. And he realises that this won't last forever. This only will last for a couple more years. And I, I'm here now, and let's just do this because when I'm finished playing tennis at the highest level, when I'm finished performing in centre court, it won't happen again. I'll never have it again. And it's, I think he's acutely aware of that. The historical thing I think comes with it. I don't think he's he's trying to hit numbers in his head. I think he just realizes that an end is and he should use this time to keep playing the best tennis he can. I think that's the way he looks at it. And just a word on Djokovic, who probably needed this one. He's, he's struggled a little bit in finals in recent times and maybe was beginning to question himself. And this was a match that was there to be lost and he managed almost not to lose it. Yeah, he actually admitted that. He said he, he was on a, a, a final losing streak and he said it had sort of hurt his confidence. He said uh, he needed to win one to, to get his confidence back. And yeah, there, was, there were points during Sunday's match where he seemed to be keeping the ball in play as much as trying to win it. Um, and I think that partly that's when Federer came back in the fourth set. So there were nerves there, but under, understandably, um, he still is the, the best returner in the world. Um, he still can, you know, hit winners off both sides. Uh, but the confidence in finals is what they all talk about. It's what Martina Nambaratlo talks about coming up, to, coming up to women's finals because they just seem to suffer more from that. But certainly, Djokovic 
going a little nervous. He'd had a bad run and, and he just wanted it to end. Johnny Watterson from Wimbledon, listen, thank you so much. Okay, on. cheers. I really do hope Federer can just pull one more out of the bag. I don't really like the idea of the image there maybe of him going down the leagues, Murph, as some footballers do. You know, yeah. just going down the tours, the Challenger Tour, all these things. Eventually, Trying just, to hustle people for... Yeah, hustling people around Swiss tennis courts. Yeah. For, I, I don't think the hustle is going to work all that well. Well, he's though. got two sets of twins, Murph. You know, yeah. man needs man needs to earn, earn a wage. He's got to get paid. Yeah. I, you know, if he is going to become some kind of tennis hustler, I would suggest taking off the monogrammed RF jacket. <laughs> I mean, certainly if he could do that. I mean, plastic surgery to modify how he looks, maybe that's going too far. But if, if you know, if you're choosing your wardrobe, anything monogrammed, that's a big no-no if you're Roger Federer trying you to see, hustle You see, the whole thing if you're hustling is, yeah, exactly. It's all about appearance. I mean, we, we all saw a white man can't jump. Of course. Woody Harrelson's key, key strength there as a hustler was that he was white. Yeah. It was assumed that he couldn't jump. Yeah. I, I mean, at the beginning of the film, he really couldn't. Yeah. You know, he, I think he might have got there in the end. I can't quite remember how that movie ended up. But you're right, Roger Federer... You know, you've got to stick out like a sore thumb at a tennis club in Switzerland. Yeah. And I don't think Federer will. I think Federer will look a lot like other country go, club types. Go across the, board, across the border to Austria? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Come and go as he pleases in Austria. Everyone knows that. Oshie McConville, cheers for calling in. Thanks for having me on. Myself and Kieran were speculating earlier on that Kerry seemed to enjoy scoring all those points so much against Cork yesterday that they didn't even really want to go for goal. It was like a boxer just standing the other guy up there and punishing them. Yeah, it was... It was Definitely one of the most impressive performances I've seen from a Kerry team in quite a while. Um, they were awesome against Dublin for 35-40 minutes, but yesterday they put a 70-minute performance together. Even towards the end of the game, they still looked hungry for scores. I suppose that's the key. The key to that is bringing new young lads in. They're hungry. Uh, they want to push on. They want to be assured of a place come quarter-final, semi-final stage. And, you know, the one thing about Kerry and full flow, they are, they are, in fairness, they are a joy to watch. You know, and I suppose that's one of the reasons I've said this before that you know when I started playing Gaelic football, that I looked at Morris Fitzgerald and I looked at boys he got there, even though he's probably not that much older than me. But when Armagh weren't really going well, they had to look elsewhere for heroes, and just the way they play football, the way they go about their business. But they've added a little bit. They've added. A, you've got to say they've added a little bit of steel. All those nights behind closed doors, <laughs> yeah, it seems to have worked for them. Um, there was a real um, Kerry people had a real problem with that last year. I haven't heard much about it this year, I, and I think for the reason the reason being is that Eamon Fitzmaurice didn't bow to that bit of criticism that he was getting. That he 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 had something. He's single minded fella. He's had a great year. Obviously, he's won the Hogan Cup with with uh, with uh, Dingle School already, and he now has has uh, has got a Kerry team. Okay, for a lot of traditionalists. Um, they may not be, you know, that enthused by the way they're playing football. Boss, having said that, it's a results-driven game, and and the way they went about it yesterday, I didn't see a problem with the fact that they were defensive, they were intense, they had they had everything going for them that Cork didn't. Yeah, I mean, you can you can defend and still get forward and exactly. score twenty four points as they did. Doesn't it? The behind closed doors thing is interesting because Fitzmaurice when he announced that last year put out a really detailed statement explaining to supporters why he had to do this, asking for them just to understand that this is the way it has to be. And I think they still do open the odd one, but they kind of advertise it. And it was seen as a right of carry people to head down there and just yeah. see what was going on. But it seems to me, a top-level sport, I, I can quite understand why he wouldn't want any scout or anybody from any other team coming down and having a look at what they're doing. Especially now that they've changed things. Especially now that they are playing slightly defensively and people say like the cock not expect what was coming down the track uh, probably they didn't to be honest probably thought uh, maybe Kerry might introduce this as they go on in the quarterfinal but for tomorrow we'll just go out and we'll have a game in the park and that's not the way it wo- the way it works that's not the way Eamon Fitzmaurice operates he um he he really thinks about the game and he's really thought about how do I get this Kerry team on to the next level Few players really stood up yesterday. Buckley really stood up yesterday. Uh, you know, it's obvious. You know, to mention the the O'Donoghues, but even Fern Fitzgerald and and boys like out there who are coming off the back of obviously having uh, really good club campaigns year after year with Doctor Crooks and and seem to be able to bring that on to the next level now. And people were were I suppose questioning whether that was the truth. It's still early days. They've beaten. Yeah. They've only beaten a Cork team that. 
Again, I say this every time we talk about Cork, they absolutely infuriate. But me. I do want to get onto Cork and just hold that anger for a second. But yeah, just okay. one more on James O'Donoghue for now, because Evan Fitzmaurice said half. To, he said James O'Donoghue in his interview after the match that James that uh, Fitzmaurice was on to him at half time for missing chances, and he just needed to sharpen up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I guess a manager has to find their little bits where they can but uh, whatever happened anyway it worked because that was an incredible performance yeah I can understand that from, from Fitzmaurice though I can understand that because you know it's all about good habits for players you know, I I watch you know obviously with managing cross one thing that infuriates me is people kicking chances away when they're sim- fairly simple chances or when you're four, five, six, seven points up to make that to 10, 11, 12 points and finish the game have the game done and dusted, not have that chink of light for Cork, which I suppose in a way they, they sort of had, you know, going into the second half. That was soon uh, put out, but I can understand Fitz, Fitzmaurice and I can understand him wanting that little bit more. And if you, I suppose if you if you're acceptant of what you've what you've done, if you're if you go into the dressing room and you you, you know you seem happy enough, well that's that's one thing. But I genuinely think that wasn't a put-on thing. I genuinely think Fitzmaurice wanted them to take those chances. It's a good job he's not over Dublin. That's all I used to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, well, we I think we have talked enough about uh, how good Kerry were. And all of that comes with the caveat that they were up against a Cork team that were just... My tip for the other Ireland Ocean, I'm going to mention <laughs> it before you say it. Uh, they, and maybe maybe that's... That's why I'm so angry about it as well. Everyone's but, angry. You can, you can release your anger now. Yeah, they were free. just they no. Were just the the anger comes from, and I've said this all along the way. They stumbled over the lane to win an All Air in 2010, and I, I for one, would have made a lot of excuses for them because I thought, you know, they're trying to get there. They've eventually got over the lane. Okay, that's it. They've done that. I actually expect them from 2010 to dominate Gaelic football for the next number of years because of the panel they had, because of their physicality and all their athleticism and all of those sort of things. But honestly, and I mean this, if you haven't got it in there, if you haven't got it in your heart, if you haven't got the the drive to push on, and two things that, that Cork could have brought to the game yesterday, that it was their decision. One of them was intensity. And and the other one was a serious will to win. I didn't see either of those things yesterday. Does any of that come down from the general apathy that there is towards the Cork footballers that the, even though they're all-Ireland contenders most years, they're viewed as the second team very much compared to the Herders in Cork? Is that just making up excuses for them? I think the only team, the only people that can, that can fix that, the only people that can turn all that stuff around is the Cork footballers. When the Cork footballers were going well in the late eighties, early nineties, I mean, you know, Cork people were, <laughs> you know, they were there was a serious drive behind them. Everybody wanted to see Cork, including the people from all around the country. Now, you know, I get the feeling that people are actually fed up. I, I don't know where my frustration comes from with them because, you know, if they win it or they don't win it, doesn't really it's not going to really affect my <laughs> life too much. Yeah. But I, the frustration comes from I think the fact that. Two things I've always said about the Cork. If they bring intensity, then they've got a real chance. But also a directness about the way they play the ball. When they start playing lateral football across the field. I said it before as well. Semi-final um, a couple of years ago when Donegal won the All-Ireland. They absolutely outplayed Donegal in, in large respects because they were direct. They got the ball in the common league. They got the only team that year that got in behind that Donegal defence. And uh, they played the gap for 35 minutes and they come out the second half and yeah. they completely sat off. They didn't push up and Mark McHugh, they completely sat off. More of the same yesterday. Um, uh, to be honest, like as an RMA man, I- I'm sitting here, one, I'm driving down the road in the car and I'm thinking, how do um, Arma turn around for Tyrone next week? Well, that's one thing, but how do Cork turn around what happened to them yesterday? I think that's an even that's an even more difficult. I think one I know where the frustration comes from. There, it's a general thing. If if you really like and really love any sport, you like to see great teams, and Cork could be that. And certainly, they threatened to be under Conor Coonan. It just didn't happen. Then there was all this change over the summer. But you look at them in the league. You look at these young players coming in and think, well, actually, they could be better off for this. You know, they're maybe yeah. ready to move on and play a different side of football. It's just this unfulfilled potential. That's, the sport is a killer. That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because you know, if you, if a team plays up to its level, then you know you can say, right, well, that's a team. You know, you you know where you stand with that team. That, but yeah. I mean, when you see it, Cork have so many good footballers, they, like they actually have dozens of them. I mean, if you look back over the last four years, the amount of players that have played for Cork, 
that are patently good players. And you see them playing for UCC in the in the Sigerson, and you see them playing in the league. God, like they they just have oodles of them. I, I don't have a clue what the championship team is going to be for Cork because they have tons and tons of footballers. And that's where, really where the frustration is. Because Kerry don't have half as many good footballers. They, they don't have half as many footballers that you would think, right, there is a pedigree there that you can see. Like, okay, I've seen them at Sigerson, I've seen them playing for their clubs, uh, and now here we are, they've progressed to play for Kerry. Kerry don't actually have a, half as many of those guys as Cork do. And yet... Cork come out and give a performance like that I mean you know you can say that you're being harsh on Cork but I can only presume I mean there, there is no recovering from that I don't think you've seen we've seen loads of teams I mean you guys got caught by Monaghan in 2003 having, as All-Ireland champions Galway lost horribly to Ross Common in the first round of the Connacht Championship ended up as All-Ireland champions but I mean that's a historically bad performance by Cork yesterday I can't see them recovering I'm saying I can't see really? it. I don't know where the, where the Recovering Cuthbert looked very downbeat as, well, as you would expect a manager to be but it, it, you weren't looking at him thinking he's going to pull this around in the next week or two yeah well not only that sometimes you you, got, you look at the manager and you think you know in that situation what is he supposed to do yeah. you know I mean you know if it doesn't come from the players or it doesn't come from within the players I mean you talk about you know really at, at half time one of the things that I've heard in dressing rooms over the years I've been in dressing rooms where you say listen let's win the second half let's get some respectability or let's get something out of the game Cork didn't even get that yeah. in fact the more the game went on the, the more you fancy carry the streak further and further away you said you were in the car thinking about how our Mark can do the business <laughs> against Tyrone next week thankfully it was on my own Um I, I can't see Alma turning around either. I can't see going to Alma. It's just it's a bridge too far. It's it's a seven day turnaround. Uh, I, you got to see it. I think you got to see it. Like Alma are not good enough. Mm. You know, I know there was serious enthusiasm. I fancied them to win the game yesterday, but only if you turn up and you play yourself the same way as you have done. You know, the first day or even a little bit more because you knew that Monaghan were going to be up for it. You know. I used the word on your programme yesterday, and I apologise for it, but Monon to me, looked the hungrier team. They looked, Steady on, <laughs> They looked to have all the intensity. Everything that Armagh had the week before, Monaghan brought it all this week. Drew Wiley up this game, Colin Walsh up this game, and Monaghan up the game. But for one simple tactic for 35 minutes that Armagh didn't cotton on to. They withdrew, I don't know if you want me to go through this, yeah, but they yeah. withdrew the, uh, their half their half-forward lane, tucked them into the middle of the field, played with a lane of about six across the middle of the field. They come running in from both sides, got the majority of the break ball due to Stephen Golligley. Um, Armagh defenders had had sat off them, but not sat off them far enough that they were standing in front of their full-back lane. So now our full-back lane was completely exposed. There was nobody marking the half-forwards. Get the ball, sometimes not even luck, just kick it over the shoulder, straight into McManus. He was out in front, win the ball, get a free, kick the ball over the bar. Cues out in front, same thing. Um, and then second half, really and truly, all they had to do, when Armagh were under pressure, they had to go forward and try and win the game. And as a result, left gaps at the back, and that's when, when Armagh were f- even further exposed. But very disappointing for an Armagh man watching it yesterday because um, take, all the, take all that stuff aside or... It, Take all the tactics aside for a second. Monaghan showed the greater appetite for it. Okay, that's not a not a great sign. Probably Sligo. Just a quick word on the qualifier draw this morning. Sligo host Limerick. Leash are going to play Tip in the next round of the qualifiers. And, and Cork, uh, Cork and Galway. The way that draw works, so the winners of those two games play Cork and the. Lo- the loser of the college final, which I automatically said was Galway there. <laughs> That's good confidence by me there. Uh, but I mean, yeah, and just to go back to Cork for a second, you wouldn't fancy them to beat the winners of Leash and Tipperary, given what we saw yesterday. That's nearly how bad they were. Would you go that far? Um, you probably would, yeah. Yeah, Leash, uh, either Leash or Tip could beat. I'd say, yeah, because they're going to struggle against a, a, a more defensive system and probably if Leash come through that game. But the result, as a good job I wasn't talking to you last week because the result of the weekend was uh, Tipperary beating Longford in the manner that they Two did. Two seventeen to six points. Unbelievable. I just could not believe it. I watched uh, the full uh, Derry-Longford game um, and after the game I said, there is a dark horse for the quarterfinal because they absolutely tore Derry apart in every sector of the field. Derry got a couple of goals to put a... Uh, a brave face on what was, you know, effectively a hammering, and I just could not believe that result. Unless they took it for granted they were going to go down to Tipperary, but that's a serious result for Tipperary football. 
and uh, that's a massive game for them now next week as well alright Oshin, brilliant thank you thanks mm. you remember my grandmother no disrespect when I used to get in trouble she looked at me and said hmm and I knew a butt whooping was coming at the house. I'm an alien. Think about it. Roy Jones is born. Jane Jane James Tony is born. I ran Barkley is born. But I'm telling you right now, I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. I should have been on this game 15, maybe 20 years ago, man. And then that's why I said I'm an alien. I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. But I'm telling you right now. I'm an alien. Just Google it and get your own information. I'm an alien. He should be gone. I'm an alien. Google it. I'm an alien. Mm. I'm an alien. I'm an alien. We'll let you away, Murph, with your little slip there, right in Galway off. As we alluded to earlier on in the hurling, it's we've had a we've had a pretty good snapshot into the, your mindset I've, this week. It's listen, I'm sorry, I'm, right. just, I'm a little I'm a little down the dumps. You today. were quite blown away by that tip performance. Am I the only one who isn't as shocked? I I don't know. I know Longford played really well against Derry, and Derry were the league semi-finals. But Derry Derry's fight was possibly gone by that stage to a certain extent. They'd lost a few players. I think they might have been somewhat overhyped based on their league performances, anyway. Mm. Yeah. Or am I now just being revisionist because Longford have lost the tip heavily? I, well, I, th- I think maybe you are a small bit. Derry being Derry. It was up there as well. That was no, the point. We yeah, have, it was away, we yeah. have seen. No, I mean, well, I mean, it was in Derry. That's the one thing. But on the other hand, Derry have done this before. Yeah. They've played brilliantly in the league and flattered massively only to deceive in the championship. So um, from that point of view, maybe, you know, that's a possible caveat. But to be honest, that's still an absolutely brilliant display by, by, uh, by Tipperary. And we we shouldn't even try and demean no, them. No, we'll leave it on a positive note. We'll leave Longford with their victory over Derry rather than try yeah. to take that yeah. away from them. I think it's been a bad Not alone did you lose on Saturday. <laughs> that the win that we were count. all complimenting you about, no, that's that's no good. You can check us out on iTunes, uh, whatever way you're listening now, but do tell some friends to have a listen on iTunes and SoundCloud on the Podcast Republic app. If they have an Android, you can drop us an email, setandcaptains at irishtimes.com and do check out all the other podcasts, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. That's all the housekeeping from me. Thank you, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Do have a listen to the World Cup podcast coming up a little bit later on today. That is all the housekeeping now for definite. Thank you for listening. Take care. What's going on? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.